grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. More and more, the politicians say it openly now. It is meant to be hurtful to the person about whom or to whom it is said. Sometimes even people who believe they are thick-skinned feel it. Sometimes we read about them on tweets about famous people, not so famous people, and ordinary people as well. I heard one such person complain about it because of the things going on in his life. The phrase that people use is, nobody likes you. These are just words. But as you know, words hurt. And this one is particularly hurtful. I did hear one person who often insults people complain to no one in particular that things, when things were not going his way, nobody likes me. How would it feel like if somebody said that to you? Nobody likes you. Maybe it's never been said explicitly to you. But as a human being, there may be times in your life that you don't feel well liked by someone, even though you do your best to get along with everybody. Now, there are some who say they don't care what other people think or say about them, because if they did, their lives would be miserable. But even they care about what significant people in their lives think about them. If those specific people say they don't like them, they will have a hard time with that. And just before our gospel reading for today, some scribes have become angry with Jesus because he told a paralytic who had been brought to him, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. The scribes began to say to themselves, this man is blaspheming. They did not believe that Jesus, who was human, a human being just like them, as far as they could tell, had any authority to forgive sins. But Jesus proved that authority by telling the man to pick up his bed and go home. The man was healed instantly, and he picked up his bed and went home. The crowds who were there glorified God who had given such authority to people. As Jesus was going from there, he saw Matthew sitting at a tax booth and simply said to him, follow me. Without any hesitation whatsoever, Matthew got up and followed him. As you've heard before, when it comes to ranking people according to how sinful they were, Matthew would be among the top because he was a tax collector. Tax collectors were placed in a sinful class by themselves. Often in the Gospels, we read about tax collectors and sinners. It is almost as if there were two main classes as the worst people, tax collectors and sinners. Jesus once said that believers who refuse to repent after their sins have been pointed out to, to them by one person or two or three witnesses and then to the church and the people still refuse to repent that they should be treated as Gentiles and tax collectors. Now that Jesus himself believed that tax collectors and Gentiles were the worst of sinners, but he spoke and taught in the language that the people could understand. In no way did he believe that Gentiles and tax collectors were the worst of sinners. He knew that all people, those who were opposing him, 
and those who were following him and beginning to believe in him were all equally guilty of sin and were all equally in need of his saving work that he had come down from heaven to do. And we too, we all are equally in need of saving. Matthew was sitting in his booth all by himself. In some ways, he was lonely, having as friends only those who were in his profession. You know, birds of a feather. He was doing his job. Somebody had to collect the taxes. Whether or not the taxes would be used for the benefit of the whole nation was another matter. I'm sure he was paid well. But like the other tax collectors of the time, he was working for the colonial government. That was seen very negatively. And as was the case with the tax collectors of the time, he was probably charging more than he was required to and pocketing that. Because of this practice, the tax collectors were wealthy. You know that when it comes to money matters, people can get very angry when they feel cheated. You probably saw on the news last week that somebody had leaked information, tax information, to ProPublica about a super wealthy who did not pay taxes or paid very little. People like Jeff Bezos, Warren Buffett, Elon Musk, and George Soros. Some folks are really mad about this, seeing that they pay more from their meager incomes than the super rich. Now, since this information is supposed to be private, the leaker or leakers are going to be in big trouble with the DOJ if they are able to find out who they are. So money matters will not make Matthew a candidate to be called to follow Jesus, let alone to be made an apostle. Yet Jesus called him. He did not pass him by. There is an important party being prepared by Jesus. It's going to be the royal host. It is a special party. And sometimes when it comes to an important party, a question that naturally arises is who is invited to the party? People of questionable character or reputation would not be invited. Yet that's not how Jesus operates. He invites everyone to the party. Now to be sure, some may decline his invitation. He will not compel them to come. But those who would come, he would honor them with his mercy and love. It is clear that Matthew felt this mercy and love and he subsequently organized a party for Jesus in his house since Jesus himself did not own a house. And who does Matthew invite? He invites his fellow tax collectors and sinners. Those were the people he associated with, those whom nobody liked. He told them what had happened to him when Jesus walked by his tax, tax booth. He invites his friends, the only ones he had left, and they showed up at his party. We can only imagine how much joy and peace they felt that this man who had power to heal and the authority to forgive sins did not look down on them. Tax collectors and sinners, in the presence of the only perfectly righteous person who had ever lived, they realized they needed Jesus. It was the very best thing that could happen to them. They were happy to finally have the most important friend they could ever have. For some reason, other people showed up at the party too. These were the most influential people of society. They were pious, 
making sure they were keeping the commandments of God, at least outwardly, and believing that others were not in the same class with them. They did not feel they needed Jesus at all. In fact, they disagreed with him on a lot of issues and did not see him as someone sent from God for the purpose of reconciling all people to himself. Yes, tax collectors and sinners, but also ordinary folk, poor folk, rich folk, children, adults, they were all in his plan to reconcile them to God. But the Pharisees, they were there, and instead of enjoying themselves at this party, they were intent on watching and judging. And judging, they did. They said to the disciples of Jesus, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now it is not clear how they got to this party, but they certainly were not happy with the people invited. All they were seeing were those whom nobody liked, tax collectors and sinners. But nothing would dissuade Jesus from what he had come to do. His invitation was to all. That remains the case today. There is room in his party for all. No one is better qualified than another to be with him. Indeed, absolutely no one is qualified by what they do or don't do to be in his presence. That's why you are in it. That's why you are here as members of his own family, precious in his sight. And that's why I'm in it too. Not everyone who receives his gracious invitation through his words written in the Bible or shared by you or fellow Christians will respond positively. Jesus is not to blame for that. He does not force people. If he needed to force people to believe what he has graciously offered and continues to do, there will be no point for him to leave his heavenly home, to be born, live, suffer, and die the most shameful death as one who was cursed because he was crucified, and then to rise again from the dead and ascend into heaven. Jesus went from place to place. He went to places near his hometown, places far away from his hometown. He went to busy cities. He went to the country. He walked along the beach. He spoke to all kinds of people, farmers, fishermen, business people, religious people, rich people, poor people, women, men was always looking for opportunities to let people know about him and his mission and invite them to follow him. He went to places where people who cared about their safety would not go. He did not just pass people by. That is how he noticed lonely Matthew and called him to follow him. His disciples learned from him not to pass people by either. Although it was not easy for them, it took them a while. And they went through many struggles, internal and external, to be able to meet people where they were and share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. God does not want us to pass people by either, because it is through people, you and me and Christians everywhere, that others who do not yet know Jesus will get to know him and by his grace and mercy believe in him. It is not easy for us, I know. It may be because of our own personalities or because people might ask us questions that we do not know the answers to or because we live in a time when it is just plain difficult because religion is all relative and how can you say that yours is a true religion? 
But since you are a Christian, that is what you believe. And it is not an empty belief. This religion is a true religion because the Son of God himself established it. And he has said that nothing will prevail against it. Because you and others before you kept their eyes open to opportunities, this church has seen people join. And many other churches have done the same. In particular, you can think about the Alliance churches we've mentioned or seen on videos these last three weeks, and the one you will see today as well. And if you want to find the churches, they are listed on page nine of your bulletin. People over here saw Matthews at their homes or at some gathering in Tower Grove Park, or by striking up a conversation with some stranger, and they actually heard about Jesus and believed, sometimes against all odds. That same against all odds things are happening in the Alliance churches, spread over many locations, because even though our backgrounds and locations are not the same, they proclaim the same Jesus that we proclaim. And some Matthews over there still hear the call from these churches, and they follow Jesus. Think about Reliant Church, a church in a coffee house. I personally could not have imagined that there would be such a Lutheran church. But there is. A lot of Matthews are there. They heard the call of Jesus through others. They were invited to the party, and they came and they stayed. Thanks be to God. It is a miracle that people in present-day America hear about Jesus and they believe in him. We don't often think of people who hear and believe as present-day miracles of our risen and ascended Lord Jesus Christ. And we don't often think of all who have always believed and still do as the enduring miracles of Jesus. Think of yourselves that way, as people who were invited to the believer's party and showed up and never left, or who left and came back. You have become members of the family of Jesus, precious to him, and he really likes you. May his name always be praised among you. Amen. And I will rise and confess.